eggs. Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome back to the 80th episode of COP. We're almost at triple digits. Unfortunately, when we hit triple digits, um, we will have to start deleting episodes, though, off of, uh, I think, off of UMFM, which will then take them off of Spotify and Apple. I don't know if I can upload directly. Maybe I can, and I'll find a way to keep them up. But our station... I don't something about like the cap it used to be like 25 and then we hit 25 episodes and then when we uploaded our 26 I noticed that the first one was gone because sometimes I just I just check how the podcast is doing see how our 20 listeners are doing except for our large um, audience in Guatemala shout out to you did you see that Matt I did see that um like Look, I don't mean to disparage the people of Guatemala, but like, are there really like, look, okay, to be the, <laughs> to be the top country to listen to cop, it just has to be you and somebody else in the room, okay? But are there really Guatemalans listening to this, or is that just like a thing where like bot, like Guatemalan bot are listening to us? I can't confirm. Shout out to all the Guatemalan peeps. Um, if you're not actually out there, then fuck you. Um, I'm assuming the you, the listener, don't know what I'm talking about. I received an email from this company. I'm not going to say their name. And they were just like, hey, uh, according to Apple podcast statistics, you're like number seven in Guatemala for the arts category and 75 for some other category. And I was like, okay, this is either true, which is highly unlikely, because I don't know how many, if, if Guatemalans speak English, I doubt it. Um, and I, I, I'm pretty sure it was just like something they send to anyone with the podcast. So they sign up for their program because they're like, what? I'm number seven. Let's let's get their let's get their program and see our analytics. And then you find out that you're not actually number seven in Guatemala. That's probably what it was. But if I'm wrong, hey, shout out to Guatemalans and their families. Like yeah, I don't... <laughs> yeah, shout out to Guatemalans. Um, I don't know what's going on in that country, but I'm sure you guys are struggling. Um, shout out to that and shout out to your struggle. Um, listen, if you're out there right now, uh, what you can do is if you, wanna de- if you want your home country to dethrone Guatemala, I just recommend this podcast to your friends, your family, <laughs> your exes. Um, that homeless guy you see every time you go to the Tim Horns downtown, um, that weird guy that messaged you during that number neighbor craze that you wish you could forget, but he keeps coming back every month or so. To I've been meaning it. to do that. It's too late. The fad is over. It's too late. Now it's just weird. Well, you, I, you, you know me, I join on fads late. You do. You do. It's cool. It's, it, honestly, it is cool that way. I had a... I had some teenage girl message me as a number neighbor, mm. and I was like, hey, what's up? And she was like, hey. And I said, <laughs> uh, yeah, just uh, just chilling. And she said, haha. And I said, okay, he, I have the conversation here. <laughs> she, she said... Where I, is this going? Let me finish. This is okay. important, Lucas. Jeez. Yeah, Okay. 
Okay, she was like, I, um, I was nervous about this, but I'll try it out. I said, I was talking to my coworker, and she said she was freaked out when she saw a random n- number texted her during a horror film. And I said, it's weird that uh, it's worrying for underage children because they could talk to predators. And I said, and she said, yeah. I said, how old are you? She said, um, I'm in underage children. <laughs> and then I said, oh, well, and this was in 2019. I said, I'm 19. And she said, oh, cool. Well, it was nice talking to you. Bye. <laughs> and then I said, OK, bye. So I think I sa- I may have saved a life there. Um, I like to think I saved a life and that she won't talk to Internet strangers anymore. But that's. <laughs> That's my number neighbor story. It wasn't that exciting. I'm sure, you know, Ben Affleck's number neighbor. Or it's like, me. Or Obama. <laughs> Naya, it's... Why did you unmatch? It's me. It's me. My brother's starving. We need, let's get Ben on the podcast. We'll fix him up. Oh, for we sure. Know, we know what to do. We'll save yeah. him. I'll send him an email. Yeah. Ben doesn't take email, okay? It's the 21st century. Okay, hit him up on TikTok, please. Okay, going back to it. After we hit 100 episodes, I don't know. It was some 1984 shit. I tried talking to the studio manager, station manager. He was like, yeah, no, we're capping it at 100. So come uh, December or whenever we'll hit uh, 100. I don't know what we're going to do, but we'll figure it out. Maybe we'll just keep our few of uh, a few of our favorites up and make a season two. Don't know, but um, yeah, I sent Matt this clip a cup uh, a few days ago of Joe Rogan talking to Bill Burr about vaccines because something happened. Caitlin was telling me that Joe Rogan was like saying that vaccines or wearing masks uh, was for pussies, and I was like. Did he actually say that? So one, I just looked it up at night, you know, when I'm watching YouTube before bed. And yeah, he was, like, <laughs> he was uh, talking to Bill Birdie saying, like, if you go, if you go for a walk, like walking your dog and you wear a mask, like you're a pussy. And it's just like, he's such a meathead, dude. He's so dumb. Yeah, what's disappointing about Joe is that, like, you know, you stereotype people, right? And you look at Joe and you look at the audience and you look at all the jokes and you think, yeah, I know, I've got this guy pegged. Mm-hmm. And and then he doesn't do anything to defy your expectations. <laughs> uh, so you just kind of sit there thinking, hmm. And you really start to... <laughs> it, it just really makes you think, you know what I mean? It just Joe is Joe and everything they say about Joe is right. And... Uh, but he smokes a lot of weed, so I guess he's cool. He's cool. He says psychedelics are cool. That's cool. <laughs> it's like he talks to smart people, and then I guess it's just all going in one ear and out the other. Because then <laughs> whenever, like, I, he talks to people, and I'm like, man, he must be growing from this, learning from this, changing his perspective because of this. But then when you just see him in his true form, he um he doesn't take any of it in, really. And then he just says stuff like wearing a mask uh, for pussies and he's like i'm not getting the vaccine no way i'm healthy like they think that he he functions on anime logic where if you're like strong-willed you can just fight off a disease or something <laughs> yeah exactly like if you just get enough chakras or or dragon balls or something then like you know you're like invincible and the plot can't touch you like sorry buddy joe like you know 
You should still get your your yearly prostate exam. Unfortunately, it doesn't <laughs> matter how much weed you smoke, you know, and that's it. Uh, he's such an such an idiot, uh, but <laughs> allegedly <laughs> in Minecraft, it's not uh, it's not me saying that. I just heard right. It. You just yeah okay I feel you. Anyways, what's new with you, buddy? What's new with me? You know, I just been chilling. Summer is so great. You know, you just go outside. Those Burn. sun. Say that again. Burn. It's so fucking hot. Yeah, I don't. I don't ha- I don't know that feel. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Stay mad. Uh. <laughs> uh, seethe. Seethe. Anyway, I like to continue. I like summer. It's nice. You know, you go out. You get a milkshake. You get a cheeseburger, you go to the store, you come home, you sleep, you wake up, you you do anything. It's eat, just sleep, a, game. Eat, sleep, game. Go eat again, sleep, <laughs> shit, wake up, game again. That's the motto this summer. It's white boy summer, by the way. It is. So I hope that isn't a neo-Nazi thing, because I really love the white boy summer memes. Shout out to white boys. It's not a neo-Nazi. It was started by Tom Hanks' son that you just know he's ashamed of a little. <laughs> uh, Chet Hanks. And he just said, you know, it's going to be a white boy summer. And he was right. It's white boy summer. I'm pretty sure on the Facebook page for white boy summer, the admin made a post like Chet Hanks is officially um, not allowed to white boy summer. What? Why? I don't know. Uh, I don't agree. <laughs> I Chet Hanks, has he been in any films? I'm going to check quick. No. He, oh, he has been. Wait. Okay, he was in oh, He was in Indiana Jones 4. That's who? Student in Library. Oh, shit, actually? Yep, and then he was in Project <laughs> X. Remember that film where they just have a huge party? Yeah, where Dax Dax Flame is in it. D- Dax Flame is in it. Guess who he plays? Who? Party goer. And then no, and then wait, he, wait, wait. Was he the party goer? He was the party goer. Yep, I know exactly who you mean. Oh my and guess God. what? In Fantastic Four, guess who he was? Um, is he the guy that goes? It's clobbering time, bro. You're so close. He's Jimmy Grimm, brother of Ben Grimm. A.K.A. the thing, A.K.A. the guy <gasps> who goes, it's clobbering time. Holy shit. So that's a pretty good resume for him. He was also in Curb Your Enthusiasm for two episodes. Mm. That's about it. Did he direct them? The episodes? Um, no, unfortunately, mm. no. He's done no directing. Well, you know, every you look at someone like Laura Dern, you look at her IMDb, they start small, but then soon they're in Star Wars. So it's only a matter of time. You're right. And, you know, just like Laura Dern, um, he's the father, or sorry, he's the progeny of a famous actress. I found out when I was looking at this movie that, well, what's the movie we're talking about? I should, we should probably preface well, that. Yes, you know... Buy me a steak first. <laughs> Listen, guys, we said it last week, so I hope you remember. I'm not going to say the title of the movie again. <laughs> uh, Diane Ladd is in it, and she is the real-life mother of Laura Dern, which I thought was a Who's cool that? fact. 
Who's Laura Dern? No. Who's Diane Ladd? Mm-hmm. She's the mom in this movie re- we're reviewing. But you said that she's famous. Like, what else is she in? Well, it says on the... Wiki- <laughs> Look, do I know? No. What do I know about movies? Fucking nothing. Okay. <laughs> but she was in Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Apparently, she was also in Chinatown. I'm going to have to check who she was. Um, oh, I think she was party goer in that movie. Oh, in Chinatown? Yeah, or China goer. You are right. She was ch- <laughs> She was China goer, mm. famous in the final scene when they go to Chinatown. Um, yeah. That's a pretty that's a pretty good pedigree right there, I'll say. It's you? You're the Chinatown? That's my favorite <laughs> line from that movie. And then By the movie far. ends. It's so subversive. It's daring. Borderline experimental. Tasteful. Oh, extremely. But I don't really like that movie because I was so confused when the bad guy won in the end. (laughs) I I don't like movies like that. Turn it off. What? That's so unsatisfying. The bad guy (laughs) won in the end? Wow. That's not how a movie's supposed to end. I'm supposed to feel good. Waste of time. Waste of time. Where's the good feeling to offset my burning stomach when I leave the theater after eating a large bag of popcorn and I said double layer it even though I never do that does that tear up your stomach butter no popcorn yeah well so you have a thing for corn then no if I eat corn it's fine it's the butter man no way cause I well Mm, you you might you should maybe stick away from lactose look popcorn you chew it sometimes you get some pieces stuck in your mouth it's sharp i don't know man what you think it's like mechanically hurting you well maybe i think you just might have a lactose thing i don't have lactose i drink milk all the time but you have stomach issues all the time I'm not getting it. It's not lactose. I swear to you, it's not lactose. Well, then what is it? I don't know, man. It's just bad genetics. I had a a blood test recently uh, sent to my doctor. Doctor said, I'll call you if anything's wrong. Nothing was wrong. So what's the problem? I don't know. I don't know, man. Your stomach isn't in your blood. Well, (laughs) thank you, Dr. Neustetter. Uh, Maybe you can diagnose me. Yeah, I think you have bad metabolism. All right. That's what that's what people always say. I have what's, bad metabolism or good metabolism, whatever that means. And what's your best prescription for that? Well, what? Okay, does your stomach hurt every day? No, not every day. Honestly, in the last couple of months, it's also been pretty fine, relatively. To the point where, like, the doctor didn't call me and I was like, it's not a big deal right now. Like, I'm not in pain. So I don't know what... So truly, I do not know what it is. I haven't really changed my diet. I try to eat more food at home, but that's it. I don't know. I still eat cheese, like, all the fucking time. I eat grilled cheese, like, whenever there's no food in the fridge. I don't think Kraft Singles have lactose in them. I don't eat Kraft Singles. I'm better than that. (laughs) I eat real cheese, okay? Kraft Singles, fuck out of here. If you're eating grilled cheese with Kraft Singles, you're not eating cheese. You're eating inorganic uh, pseudo-biomaterial. That's, That's what not... I eat. Well, you're blessed that you can digest that. I can't. <laughs> That's just the way it is. 
We all get our lot in life, Lucas. Mine is whatever is wrong with my stomach. That's it. Mine is that I have a huge ass. <laughs> yeah, he's got some cake, guys. You can't <laughs> see it on you can't see it on a podcast, but uh, oh lord. Well, Let's talk about I, the movie. Fuck the movie. You, whenever you have a tummy ache, just write down what you ate the last day, and then keep doing that. Eventually, you'll pinpoint it. I'll I'll try. Look, I'll say this: that like the thing that exasperates it is some fast food. I don't know. I mean, that's just for everybody, though, right? Just no. fast food gives you the tummy gr- no. grumblies. Well, for most people, or at, at least a significant amount of people that I see memes about it. No. Look. F- <laughs> Look, I have bad genes, okay? Maybe I wasn't made to, you know, live very long. But Maybe. We, but, but thankfully, we live in a society. I'm tired of it. Well, I... <laughs> I'm a little tired too, but hey, wait, what's a man to do? Well, I got a few ideas. Name them. <laughs> Not on the air. <laughs> Let's, <laughs> Let's talk about the movie. Let's talk about the movie. It's called Wild at Heart. Oh, are you taking control? Let's... <laughs> Turn Somebody up. Let's somebody talk about the movie. Somebody has to. Somebody has to. Talk, let's talk about the movie. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. The, the film of the week that people come here for. Yeah. Uh, do, you want me to, do you want me to go over it? Sure. All right. So the movie's called Wild at Heart. Came out in 1990. Um, to be specific, came out uh, May 25th, 1990 at the Cannes Film Festival and then theatrical release August 17th, 1990. Mm. Uh, written and directed by Lynch, based off a novel by Barry Gifford. I don't know who that is. Let me, let me see what he's written. I think he uh, read uh, Party Goer. He... he <laughs> <laughs> Did he? I, I think, I, I think you're right. Him. Off the top of my head, yeah, he did Party Goer. Maybe um, Harry Potter. I don't know. <laughs> Party Party Goer, of course, is a seminal American novel. If you haven't <laughs> read it, then I don't know what you're doing. It's like the um, Graduate. Wikipedia says it tells the story of Sailor Ripley, played by Nicolas Cage, and Lula Pace Fortune, played by Laura Dern, a young couple from Cape Fear, North Carolina. Now, don't get confused. We're not reviewing the Martin Scorsese film Cape Fear. They just originate from Cape Fear. Um, and they go on the run from Lula's domineering mother and the gangster, gangster she tr- hires to kill Sailor. That's the movie. Um, it's a black comedy romantic crime film. Um, I would definitely say... Um, I would add absurdist, uh, absurdist yeah. to those adjectives. I would also add... Um, uh, I would probably add, like, um, neo-noir. I'd probably throw... You know what? I, I'm in a good mood, so I'd honestly throw the label of satire on there. Yep. Um, what do you think of the movie? <sighs> you know, Lynch does it again. I, <laughs> just, it's Simple. just truly a white boy summer. I don't know. <laughs> 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 
He just he just keeps hitting the home runs. I don't know, you know? I, I put on a movie I see directed by David Lynch. And then, oh, what do you know? It was good. It was good. <laughs> you know what? Hey, Lynch, when has he done us dirty? The old, the old reliable. That's all he is. That's all he is. Mr. Lynch. He just keeps in the fucking home runs, man. <laughs> Let's say it. When I need to know the weather in California, I just put on his little weather show and uh, just, it just makes, it gives me my daily serotonin. Yes. Uh, same. Ditto. Honestly. Um, sorry, I got distracted for a sec because I saw that D. I was on the Wikipedia here and Dino De Laurentiis. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that last name and I went to his Wikipedia page and yes, he is the mother, the father of Giada De Laurentiis. If you don't know this woman. Oh my God. She hosts Food Network's Giada at Home. Sometimes she's on Today. Like... This, no. when you open up the dictionary and you look for the word mommy, <laughs> this is who you're seeing. That's it. What's her name? Let me look this up. Look up Giada De Laurentiis. Just. Oh. oh, I know her. Yeah. Oh, she's not. She is new. I know her. Okay. She's, she's, she's new? Yeah, she's, um, yeah, she's, I've seen her on the, the cooking channel oh god uh she does things to me oh lord do people watch cooking channels and like cook along what's what's a scheme here i watch cooking shows for the plot for the plot yeah giada rachel ray it's it's in it's really engaging don't be gross Don't make me destroy you. <laughs> They're true culinary artists. I mean it. Like the cake saw... boss who just makes mounds of Rice Krispies and co- covers it in fondant? No, I don't like cake boss. That's mm. His work is garish, to be honest. There's no yeah. subtlety. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, but he, you know what? He's not uh, tasteful. But you know who is? David Lynch. Now, in Wild at Heart... <laughs> He just does it again. David Lynch has a style that I think he was just... I guess this was just a style he was going for at this time because he made Wild at Heart and Twin Peaks roughly at the same time. And they overlapped. And there are lots of characters that... Uh, or actors and actresses that overlap between the two projects. Um, he And in this, he really has kind of that like satirical soap opera sheen over the whole thing because Laura Dern and um, say Laura Dern's character Lula and Sailor um, played by Nicolas Cage they're both so like synthetic I love them so much they're just always smoking Um, Sailor has a snakeskin jacket and he's like do you know why I wear this jacket it's a sign of my um my individuality and my belief in personal freedom and that's just like (laughs) such a like in other movies you know the characters would just wear that clothes but then they're going that extra step by just ham fisting it in as to why he's wearing this stupid thing um they have this like wizard of oz absurdist thing going on um you know the lynchian 
it's it's Lin, the Lynchian style is just dreamlike really and that's what this movie is it none of his projects are like real you know they seem real until there's just like a mask off moment where it's like whoa it like sobers you it's just so left field and i guess that throws some people off um just this whole style i guess throws people off because i i some people seem like just so polarized by lynch product um products not products uh projects because reading they showed this screen this at the um at the um Cannes film festival Cannes film festival and like he lynch said that 300 people walked out which what that's so abs- that's absurd to me like this isn't a walkout movie like uh um, yeah like it's not even polarized like personally i don't i didn't find it polarizing enough or like i didn't see the side where you would go oh this movie sucks in an hour in like you would say maybe the movie sucks like i can see why people would dislike this film but like to walk out of a movie is like you know there's a, and i feel like i hear that all the time with cans is that either people will boo it or people will walk out and then like oh it's a critical darling after or something like that maybe the cans film goers are just uh incredibly picky or demanding i suppose they are because it's probably just critics and other filmmakers but i've only i've only seen walkouts one time and i know this is a meme but it was at captain marvel you saw you saw people walk out of Captain Marvel. Yeah, three sets of people. I I can't recall and like mass walkouts in a movie that bad. Um, I really the only time where I was really like, wow, I really want to walk out of this movie, is when I saw Suicide Squad, and <laughs> I, oh, that was like a real moment where, that was one of the rare moments where I saw a movie and I suffered truly. <laughs> Like, I was, like, actually in pain. Halfway through the movie, I had, I was just, the immersion was gone. And I thought to myself, my God, in a, this movie will take another hour of my finite, mortal, precious life. And there's <laughs> nothing I can do about it because I'm with a friend. And I let it happen. And I just watched. It was traumatic. <laughs> it definitely was traumatic. Um, <laughs> the This movie also... One thing that I love that it did, and they do it, like, in the first five minutes, is they have scenes where in other movies it would be implied so heavily. But in this movie, they just show you every piece of it. Lula's mom hires this cheap-ass hitman. I I swear he said, like, 50 bucks or something. And she's going to give me 50 bucks to kill you. And he tries to kill Sailor. And then he just starts punching him. And he grabs him by the cuff of his collar and then starts smashing um, his head against the ground and then you see like uh later behind the head shot of the dude and his like skull is cracked open and like brain and blood is falling out. i was like okay here we go this is gonna be good it is a wild ride this is a good movie um it's so crazy to go back and watch old movies and see nicholas cage in like good roles because I think he's really good in this. Like, you watch a movie like Face Off, and you're like, how could this guy ever act in a good movie? Hey, but he does it cool here. It. Just, cool hey, it. he does it here. And, he, uh, like, they're doing the southern accent, which kind of comes and goes. But it is pretty consistent. I think it's all right. And he's doing this whole Elvis thing. Apparently, this movie is, like, a parody of Elvis movies. But I truthfully have only listened to his music. I really want to go and, like, watch all of the... um movies of big musical artists who try to make it 
to, to try to have a movie career like Elvis. I know Prince, I think Purple Rain was a movie that he made. Um, there's like the Beatles movies, stuff like that. I want to go and just watch them all uh, because I'm definitely missing out because I'm sure lots of references in this movie went over my head that I didn't even get, but even still, I still enjoyed the movie. Oh, shut up, Kirby. Um... <laughs> Yes, I agree. Um, you know, I have to say that Cage only made face up like seven years after this. So if you think he fell off in those seven years, I got news for you, pal. He's still going strong and face off mm. is still a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree. You know, one of the things that I liked about this movie and, and you know, it was one of those things where halfway through the film, it kind of it kind of my opinion of it changed. Because at first I was almost a little bit annoyed at the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. The movie was so, playing it so coy like you know, you know, Link Lynch has these obviously, like you said, the Lynchian quirks. You know, there's a lot of it's a black comedy, and I think in terms of black comedy, it's it's not terribly dark except for a couple of moments, more grayscale. But there's some really great moments that I enjoyed, and that of course are just sort of you know, I guess you could say immersion breaking. You know, when when um, Sailor stops the band, Power Mad just yeah. with his hand. Yeah. Yeah, and he starts serenading. That was like the lo- first one. His lover with Elvis. Yeah. Or or even all of like Lula's little Dixieland analogies, where she's like, "Wow, that's hotter than a jackrabbit <laughs> in May," and shit like that, like over and over again. Um, it at first I was almost like, okay, this could get annoying. Where it's just a movie that's so self aware or so, um. I don't know, so, like, involved with itself that it, it's not willing for a second to play it straight. But the movie succeeds, despite all this, in my opinion. Because you get those great quirks, and it's a truly funny film. There's some laugh-out-loud moments. It's got this general road trip story where they're trying to just go to Southern California and they have the heat on them. Not the not actually the heat. It was just Lula's mom and the couple of hitmen she, went, she hired to go kill Sailor. Um, but it's a pretty engaging story. The romance is like, you know, it, once again, like it's very synthetic, but it kind of works if you're kind of understanding what Lynch is going for in the sense that, you know, you're not really like supposed to be invested in the characters in like that's kind of sincere way. You know what I mean? This kind of mm-hmm. harkens back to what I said, I think last week about Escape from New York, where, or no, 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 not from Escape from New York. Eating Raul? Eating Raul, where it got to the point where it was like, you know, it, it was almost too theatrical for its own good, you know? The mm-hmm. artifice of it all was too apparent. That was a problem for me in Eating Raul. Lynch toes the line here, and it's not a problem for me. He does it well. Um, it, it also helps that Nicolas Cage is in this picture. He always gives any film he's in just this uncanny quality that you can't shake. Uh, I don't know what it is about him. But I actually like both of the performances here, or the main performances by Laura Dern and Cage. I think Dern is actually a lot better than Cage in this, but they both hold their own. I really like Willem Dafoe, too. Um, Oh, yeah. He's great. Uh, He's not in the film for a long time, but he just plays this really um, deplorable character with horrible teeth uh, for, like, uh, the third act of the film, I would say. And he, he knocks it out of the park. Um, I wasn't sure, but I was watching that movie and they referenced like the character was in Vietnam. And I was one, I was trying to decide while I was watching the movie if that was a deliberate reference to Platoon or not. It might be, it might not be. I don't know. I'll have to oh, ask. Oh, 
Uh, maybe. I don't know to... if that's like his thing, but it well, could I, be. That was, that's what I was gonna say. It's like I don't know if that's like Lynch's type. So I'm gonna have to ask him one day. Maybe I'll he'll come for Comic Con and I'll get to interview him. Um, he um he does Willem Dafoe's character does uh do another reference though where I was like ah, oh. or he says something that could be misconstrued as a as a reference. He was talking about his his uh, penis and he says something one eyed Jack needs to go tinkle or whatever. And there is a brothel in Twin Peaks called One Eyed Jacks, and oh, really? I yeah I, I I looked it up like I just um, googled uh, Wild at Heart Twin Peaks One Eyed Jacks, but nothing really came up, so I don't know if it was deliberate or not. It probably was because in the Wikipedia they said he was done shooting the sea or like the pilot for Twin Peaks, and then he was working on this or something. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure it was. It would be. It would be. I would be amazed if Lynch just had that coincidentally. But and he I mean, didn't he, write this. But maybe maybe he added it. He didn't write this, but you know, I went on the Wikipedia, and one of the characters had a, a um, like a link, like you know how usually it's the oh, actor's yeah, name has yeah. a link. One of the yeah. characters' names has a link, and I clicked on it, and apparently this character appears in another filmmaker's film. So I wouldn't be too surprised if Lynch was doing cross references either. What for character? His, um, it was the, what was the lady's name? Perdita uh, Durango? Yeah, that was her. I didn't, Interesting. Let, me, let me see which film it is that he's referencing. I think Perdita. it was a foreign film. The film is called Perdita Durango is the film. In, in, in the United States, it was called Dance with the Devil. Uh, and it came out, wait a sec. Oh, and it was based on a novel that Barry Gifford also wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, there might be something there. Um, but yeah, the movie is, um, the characters are, and the performances are all well done, I would say. Of course, they all have that quality to them. I, I really like Nicolas Cage just playing, like, what he's trying to do, like a kind of outlaw type, mm-hmm. like, you know. He's so good. He's pretty good in this, you know. I you I don't think I've ever seen Nick Cage this subdued in his whole career. He doesn't even have like a weird moment. Like you're waiting for that Nick Cage moment, right? Yeah. For that meme, for that gif, right? <laughs> where where he goes, "Oh," or he goes, "Yeah," or he goes, "Woo!" And he makes a silly face and his eyes goes wide. There you'll be waiting. He he he, he shows a lot of restraint in this film or maybe a lynch forced him to. But he really plays it straight, and, you know, you almost forget that Nicolas Cage is probably not human. <laughs> he kind of looks like Elvis in this movie, too. Young Nick Cage, he, he has an Elvis feature. He does, and I will confess, I have not seen any Elvis films ever, because I was told they were horrible. Um, well, and what did they know? And that he can't act. Well, I saw Eddie Murphy's Delirious, and he says in that that they just get him to sing all his dialogue because he can't act. <laughs> I, I, I th- honestly the only Elvis movie I can name off the top of my head is Blue Hawaii that's it I yeah. don't know any others um, I just own the vinyl I don't I haven't seen it I'm a poser <laughs> it's okay it's okay it, it, it's probably for the best well we'll review an Elvis film one day yeah um, we should do that for a month Elvis month no but like um artists making uh, movies well we well we did um we saw David Bowie in um 
whatever the fuck that movie was called. I'm so glad you just said that. I was going to ask you, because I thought of this the other day, I was really trying to think of what that movie was called, and I was going to ask you if you even remembered the title of it. Okay, give me ten seconds to brain blast this. You have seven. Uh uh it's called oh my god (laughs) i can't do it bro i don't know what the movie's called (laughs) i think it was called the fever that's a conclusion i reached like many days later um i don't know that's a death grip song shit that isn't the movie well let me see let me see it's the hunger (laughs) the hunger that was so bad (laughs) Oh man, that was a that was a that movie is so forgettable. I just remember because Bowie was in it and it has vampires. That's all I can recall. <laughs> I looked Terrible. up David Bowie movies and Twin Peaks came up. What is he in it? Okay, maybe Firewalk with Me. Let's let's peep this out. You know we've reviewed two Bowie movies now, and he has not impressed. Yeah, he's in Firewalk with Me. That will be interesting to see. Well, you um, tell us if he goes, if he, if it's 0 for 3 and it's a strikeout, then we won't fucking watch his movies again. Yeah, we've given him enough chances as is. I asked Matt, I it was like, is this cool? I gave it a vibe check. He said, sure. But when Caitlin and I finish uh, season 2 and 3 of Twin Peaks and Firewalk with me, her and I, we're going to do an episode of Cop on it. So stay tuned for that. Well, it's fitting because the last, well, besides this. Um, the last Lynch project we reviewed was Eraserhead, and that was yeah. also you and Caitlin. Oh, full circle! So it all comes first, full circle. It's kumbaya. It's the circle of life, <laughs> and it moves us all. You know how it is. So it's gonna be a good one. And you know, if you're a cough fan and you really don't like me, um, this is your week, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and I Speak- know, and and I get the fan mail. I read the fan mail, guys. I know what you guys think of me. And let me tell you, I'm not changing a thing. And I'm not sh- reading any more letters that talk about how nasally my voice is and that I'm pseudo-intellectual. I'm not having it anymore. I know my worth. You heard it here. Anyway, what were we talking about? Speaking of um, Eraserhead, let's, I just want to quickly shout out the Twin Peaks cameos the big one the king is jack nance he is he's david lynch's bruce campbell where you, you just gotta throw him in you gotta throw a bone to a racer head he's in this movie and he just says that he has a loud dog that always barks and then he says something along the lines of i didn't say what type of dog i had but you thought of one and i want to ask you quickly which dog did you think of when somebody says a dog i always think medium-sized dog like, okay. well, like, you know, like, kind of like Labrador size. Mm. Honestly, I'd probably default to brown. And then in terms of hair, it's like short. So I guess it's just a Labrador. Dude, we thought of the same one. I thought of a chocolate lab. Not even kidding. That's just the generic dog. That's everybody's yeah. template, you know? It's, yeah. It's, it is what it is. Um, Lynch was going for a mind fuck there, you know? Mm-hmm. When, when he said hey what dog are you thinking of though and i thought whoa and i thought damn i didn't think of my dog at all so that kind of made me feel guilty shout out There's, to kirby shout out to kirby and his family 
I think I may have seen saw Kirby's sibling one time, but I'll never know. <laughs> You'll never know. They but they looked identical, same age, same temperament. It was wild. Uh, Jack Nance was in this. Uh, who's Pete in Twin Peaks? There was Audrey. She plays um that teenager that um, Lula and Sailor run into, and kind of like this Fargo scene where they just stumble across this um this violent shooting. I don't even know what happened. But there's only one girl left alive on the side of the street, and she's, like, all bloodied, and she's talking about how she lost her wallet, this and the other thing. The movie is very focused on violence in America. There's this one part where she's flipping through the radio, trying to look for music, and all she's hearing is the news about how, like, uh, three babies were shot and killed this morning. Uh, A woman was... uh, raped by five men uh three men shot themselves and she's just freaking out trying to find music and same girl i know that feeling the radio sucks when i'm in the car with matt he makes me listen to that crap oh my god the movie's obsessed with violence i i love that it's kind of this like movie could almost be a tarantino movie and it reminded me of natural born killers like they kind of have the same idea tarantino and lynch but they just take it in two different ways where like tarantino sort of style is like fetishizing movies and pop culture and lynch like i'm not saying one is better than the other but he does it more tastefully uh and with this hint of like absurdism which i like but audrey's in this um uh, Cheryl Lee, who plays Laura Palmer in Twin Peaks, she's in this as the, the good witch. What's that character's name from the Wizard of Oz? Uh, Glinda. Glinda. The Glinda. Good witch. Yeah, she plays Glinda, and uh, this whole the whole movie they they keep dropping more and more Wizard of Oz references. The first time, I'm like, oh, huh, okay, Wizard of Oz reference. Okay, another one. That's kind of fitting. And then they keep going more and more. I was like, holy smokes. And then they start throwing in, like, uh, visual references, like Laura Dern's character. There's this one scene where Willem Dafoe basically... Not not basically. He does sexually assault her. And then he just plays it off as some funny thing and then leaves. He's just a sick, twisted guy. Like, super deplorable in this movie. And then she starts, like, clicking her heels together and she's wearing red slippers um and then she like is hallucinating throughout the movie and starts seeing like witches following them and they just keep laying it on very thick but um it's a good thickness it's a tasteful thickness like paul allen's business card just so tasteful that's Um, so off-white coloring oh man uh and then lastly who was the last one oh um Ben Horn's brother Jerry is in this movie as just a henchman for one of the one of the hitmen. But yeah, that was it. It was every time they're on screen, I was like, "Yeah, baby, there they are." It was nice. <laughs> yeah. Can I get a oh, yeah? Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Anyways, Imagine I that. like this movie. I like this movie. Good movie. I like the movie. It's a good movie, too. Um, what else did I write in my notes here? Um, one thing I like about Lynch is that, you know, of course he has that surreal style. I'm glad you mentioned the Tarantino thing, because that thought occurred to me, too. 
um, because of course we're like brothers, only closer. <laughs> um, and I thought, you know, to myself, you know, Tarantino, he he tries to be very frank with his violence and the conversation mm-hmm. because he he almost strives it films in my opinion to make it more true to life. Yeah. And then in but and then of course Lynch kind of delights in the surreal. One of the things I like in this as well is that there's like this cinematic discord, okay, uh, where it's like very deliberate um, breaks of immersion. Two examples yeah. that, that I thought were notable was one, when Sailor goes to find this lady that he has a past with, um, and they don't reveal what exactly, but she's just this, you know, sexy, sultry character. It's just this, you know, pretty typical femme fatale. Uh, she's got yep. a bad wig on. Oh, and they, it's so terrible. And they dub her lines, I'm 95% sure, and it's, like, yeah. pretty poor dubbing. I thought that was funny. It's just another element of black comedy, or, like, meta-black comedy, I suppose, that added to the film. Um, and then another example, and this is a small one, when Bobby goes to the apartment to sexually assault Lula, he's like, can I take a piss? And she's like, yeah, sure. And then he starts pissing, or you hear the piss noise, but I looked between his legs. There was no piss. There's no piss, and the noise is, like, he's talking from the room and then you hear the audio of the piss and he's like on the right side of the room but then the audio is like on the left side or in the center it it's not matched up where where he is it's so weird mm-hmm. and it's just like lynch uses just like these little techniques and there's also like in the film he has like a couple of fixations or a couple of points that are i don't know motifs that he touches on they, there's a ton of smoking and a sh- and a lot of close-ups of fire and yep. lighting cigarettes and that plays into this into the theme that they have because Lula's father died in a fire or lit himself on fire supposedly and you find out the truth or supposedly the truth about that later he also has like a thing there's like a couple of notable scenes with toilets in this toilets tobacco fire the works of L. Frank Baum the Wizard of Oz stuff it's all there he has like these things that he touches on and that pervades the film throughout um and, you know, it's one of those things where, once again, like, I could see why somebody would call this or would think of it as annoying. You know, I read Ebert's review of this, and he didn't like this film. And no. he pretty notably didn't like Lynch, and he didn't. I know, he hated him. He gave Blue Velvet a one star when everybody was raving about that film and thought it was a masterpiece. But Have it, you seen the clip of the meeting? Of Ebert and Lynch? No. Yeah. It's I have so not. awkward. Oh, well, I'll send it to you later. <laughs> I would I would very much like to see this, uh, because, <laughs> because very much. Do you know when it was? Uh, like what year? Yeah, like was I don't it know. Like... I, it was like at an Oscars or something, and uh, Eber was just like interviewing people, and then Lynch walked by, and then I think they said some words. This line is crazy. The director of Mulholland Drive, David Lynch, who is this year's wild card. Okay, now I've got you where I want you. And Ken, you told me that your picture spoke for itself, but tonight Naomi Watts told me that she plays, as far as she knows, between three and six characters. <laughs> How you doing, Roger? <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a- Lynch is, is very um, short with them. <laughs> yeah, it's not very surprising. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Lynch is uh, short with people who like his stuff. So... Yeah. <laughs> So that's, that's no big deal. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's This is one of those things where it's a kind of movie where, like, I mean, plot-wise, it's kind of t- 
typical. It's just like a, a couple go on the lamb, you know. You've seen it before in Bonnie and Clyde and Thelma and Louise and stuff like that. But, you know, Lynch gives it this bent to it and he gives it his own twist. And it makes the movie um, a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I, I forget, did they ever reveal who it was behind the crystal ball? They don't, and that was one thing I also was going to mention in, in the cinematic Discord thing, was that they just have these occasional moments, and I think there's two in the film, where the events of the film are viewed through a crystal ball by an unknown person. And this is the part in the fantasy film, or in the part in The Wizard of Oz, of course where the Wicked Witch looks at her crystal ball and goes, hmm, my pretty yeah. is coming close. Hmm. My pretty. So I suppose it's an allusion to that, but if you're not familiar with that, or, like, you know, you don't just you just don't care for that kind of thing, it's just, like, random breaks in the film. Once again, that's just another lynching touch he adds to the film. It's just interesting how he just, he does not want to shy away at all from the idea that he's doing a film. He wants you to be very aware that this is a film, that these are characters, that this is fiction. Yeah. And he's not concerned at all with the immersion. It's just an interesting approach that you don't see because, you know, of course, for the most part, you want a story to be true so that, you know, you relate to the characters in a way that you're emotionally invested in and affects you. Uh, and Lynch, he, he's a unique one. He just doesn't give a damn about any of that. <laughs> yeah, I, the movie... It, it's so stylized. I I really like it. Um, I would easily give it. I don't know. I think bags. I give the same. I what? Four hundred bags. Four hundred bags. Um, with a couple of little smarties on top. Um, that's a good rating. Wait, smarties? Yeah. Mm, I would. I would go for Skittles, man. Skittles on popcorn? What are you, nuts? Listen, you put Smarties on popcorn, okay? Skittles already melt in the popcorn. Okay? What? Skittles popcorn. don't melt? They don't melt. They don't become liquid, but they get soft. Chocolate in hot popcorn? Like, it's just going to be a goopy mess. You get in the candy shell and the chocolate's leaking everywhere. It's not Grab it. Grab a napkin, buddy. No, I don't, I don't want to be fumbling for napkins in the dark theater. Well, I watch at the best theater around uh, my room, so I don't need well, to worry about that. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't want to take my eyes off the film for a second, because I'm a cinephile, and I don't want to miss a second of film. <laughs> Whatever. Can you pause a movie while you go take a pee in the theater? Uh, no, and I, I drink my own piss like a real cinephile. <laughs> okay? Eber was known for that. Eber was known for that, and, you know, much to the disgust of his fellow cinema-goers, it didn't deter him from turning in classic reviews and going to every press screening, okay? Just don't do it. Don't miss the movie. Nine bags for this one. Matt, four um, bags? You, uh, okay, four bags, but I'm actually going to minus a bag. Um, <laughs> and the reason I'm going to take a bag off is because this movie popularized the song Wicked Game by Chris Isaac. Um, and you know, the first mm, 10 times you hear that song, you're like, oh, all right, it's all right. But that song actually fucking sucks. What's uh, it's the song that goes, oh, I don't want to fall in love. Is that the one he sings? 
in this movie they only have the instrumental version of it which is good because the guitars are in it are good but in the album version and the single version he sings over that and i don't remember this yo i'll i'll tell you about it later at least it wasn't black dog because in this movie zero bags let me i don't (laughs) i don't want to talk about led zeppelin night right now because you're gonna get me pissed off well, the Led Zeppelin two kind of was a crap album, <laughs> if we're gonna be honest here on the show. Uh, kind of uh, a shitty album. Uh, <laughs> 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 kind of just did more of the same. In the f- maybe they weren't so good when they weren't stealing other people's music. Oh, well, you know that's <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I guess. Gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove. And that song is so fucking annoying. They just keep he just delivers one line, uh, and then they just keep doing the same guitar riff. What is good about that song? But but then in like you have to wait three minutes and thirty seconds in, be bro, because then they uh, do the riff, and but then Jimmy Page goes with his guitar. He goes like, but na 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 that's it. Should I listen to the third one, or is it just going to be the same? I'll tell you right now, and I'll tell the audience right now, the third Zeppelin album, out of, like, their first five, is arguably their worst. Oh, that must be really bad. The thing is that it's, like, a lot of acoustic ballads. It's Immigrant Song, and then a lot of acoustic ballads. So if you're not a fan of those already, maybe skip. Then go well, to I, four. I, I might like that. You might like it. Then go to four. I guess you'll skip Black Dog. So uh, fast. It's the intro track, whatever. It's okay. And then, you know, listen to the rest. And, yeah. So listen to listen to three and four. Listen, if you listen to four and you're not enjoying Zeppelin, um, then just fucking kill me, man. <laughs> just fucking kill me. It was just boring. Like, I, I, I threw it on, and I think Led Zeppelin is at its best when they're just kind of getting into a groove and just really fully realizing it and in most of the songs in led zeppelin 2 it's like they got into a groove and then immediately fell out and it was just Uh, like okay okay they're just edging me the whole record i (laughs) I hated it i kind of agree with that it like you know when they were recording that album they were like doing they put out their debut album they were a hit and then they were touring while they were putting out this album. So if it's a little disjointed, I understand. I like. I think it's a nice collection of tracks, though. I like the eclecticism. And how can you not like Moby Dick? The, it's a good drum solo song, and you love the drums. Uh, Moby Dick. Which song was that? Um, it's like the... I think it's second to last, or maybe third to last. It's near Ramble On. Oh. Um, I don't know. I'll have to check that one out again. I don't remember a guitar or a drum solo. Don't worry, guys. I'm going to feed Lucas a lot of drugs and play that album again, and he's going to go, whoa. Whoa, and then man. And then next episode, we're going to come on, and we're going to say, hey, little mama said the way you move, going to make you sweat, going to make no you more. groove. And then no you do the activity not- of songs. <laughs> that is, um, that's uncalled for. Okay. Okay, we're gonna end the show here, but next week we have to figure out the logistics. We're gonna do I think instead of 
the one idea I had, we're going to scrap that because the first idea is a little more extravagant. We're going to go something a bit basic. Next week, we're just going to do a movie trivia game. That'll just be the whole episode. We'll take it ease. Casual app. Um, and we'll just get really or potentially really fucked up on the episode and see oh, what we will be fucked. We... we will be fucked up. Yeah. No, we will be fucked up. Um, if if you don't, <laughs> if um, you know Nancy Reagan and all the Dare people don't watch next episode, it's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be goonish to say the least. It'll be a good time. Uh, was there anything you wanted to shout out? Someone died or something? Yeah, well, you save it for last, and then we end on a dour note. It's kind of fucked up. Mm. Uh, but, he, yeah, we lost two big directors this um, last week. Um, we lost Richard Donner. He directed Superman 1 and Superman 2, which are, Who? like, the the only good Superman movies that exist. He directed them. Oh, well, you're kind of hiding your true feelings, but continue. How am I hiding my true feelings? Oh, Superman Returns exists. Um, yeah, you're right. He also did The Goonies and Scrooged. Um, I just like him for his Superman stuff. You, you saw Superman in theaters, and you told me it was one of the most boring movies you ever saw. Look, Superman, how many bags is that? That's like... Dude. Yeah, it's not that good. Um, <laughs> Superman... T- I appreciate what he's doing. Superman 2 is better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, he did, and he did other good movies. He did Lethal Like the Weapon. second Led Zeppelin movie. No, it's, no, it's not the same. I'll, Superman disappointed the shit out of me though because like the movie is too quaint like I knew it was going to be quaint because I saw Man of Steel and I thought man people probably don't like Superman for whatever the fuck this is <laughs> but I watched that I was like it's a little too quaint but you know it, it had his charm um, so he's dead R.I.P. Richard Donner um, we also Richard lost Downer. <laughs> don't say that sorry <laughs> Richard down six feet under. No, no, delete that from the episode. Delete it, delete it. No, no, I mean it like that. Um, and then we also lost uh, somebody who we reviewed like semi recently. Hmm. Um, we ro- we lost Robert Downey Sr. Um, and of course he did Putney Swope, which we both liked. The um, Robert Downey Sr. The Robert Downey Sr. Father of, um, Iron Man. Clearly, he didn't know how to make an omelet. <laughs> You see an omelet getting made, and you think that of me? No, I am the egg who knocks. Yeah, so he died. Um, R.I.P. to him. Last movie mm-hmm. he was, last, <laughs> last movie he was in was in Tower Heist, which I actually saw. Mm. Um, that movie Good I would movie? give. Well, maybe like. Mm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna then have to create a a new category for indifferent bags because like. Sometimes there's a movie that comes out and it it doesn't mean anything to me. And it kills mm-hmm. two hours. And it's not two and it's not three. And it's not 2.5 because they're just something that doesn't sit well with me Dude, when I do that. Dude, you really need to just get to that 10 bag scale. I, it's never going to happen. I will never happen. And I will tell you right now why it will not like happen. Like you're talking about in different bags? Yeah, bro. That's 2.5 out of 5. Stop. Listen to me. Stop. Which, we, which no, is 5 no, out of No, 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 no. I'm going to tell you why I'll never do 10 bags. It devalues mm-hmm. the ratings. Once you get... Uh, it devalues the ratings. When you get to 1 to 4 bags, that's like a ghetto. Okay? the When you give any score within there, they just think bad. It's hard to differentiate. The 5 bag it's rating... It's hard to differentiate. <laughs> let me finish 
It's hard to differentiate. What's a two and a three? I don't know. What's a one and a two? I know distinctly. Okay? I know. It pisses me off even when they do a nine point anything scale. Like a, which is te- like a technically a hundred point scale. Like Pitchfork does that. That pisses me off. What's an 8.8? <laughs> you don't know. You 9.8 sc- for MPP. 9.6 for MPP. Just make it a fucking 10. <laughs> 10 doesn't mean it's literally perfect. There's no literally perfect album. Name one. Rumors. Uh, Abbey Road. No, Rumors is not perfect. It has Songbird on it. it. Dude, okay, you're... Oh, that pisses me off when people say that. Song it's not a good song. Who cares? There's slow songs on like on Paranoid by Black there's, Sabbath. <laughs> there's slow songs and then there's songs that are just dull. That's a dull song. It's not. It's not. It it's, is. I'm. I'm sorry, it's, brother. It's a I'm gold sorry, pill song. If no, they, it's, it, no, no, no. If they had said ex-military, hey, ten bags. Okay, maybe. Yeah. Okay. But that's a mixtape. Doesn't count. Mind fuzz. Mind fuzz, uh, let me look at the track list. <laughs> Songbird, um, it's a good song. You're tripping. Like, it's an okay song on, a, like, no. a stellar album. Yes. Oh, my God. In no, Rainbows, not a name, bad song. Name one, on ti- name one time you were, like, by yourself or with a friend, and you're like, ah, I'm going to listen to Songbird right now. Not that you, you have... I, no, get out of here. You're bullshitting. I'm not. There's, I listen to the whole album. Exactly. You listen to Songbird when you listen to the whole album, but you never listen to that cut by itself. Yeah, because it's cope, not a good cope. single. It's not a Keep good coping. single, but... It, <laughs> Every other song on that is a good single. Every other song? Every other song. Really? I would listen... I Every other song, I can confidently say I've listened to or seeked out by itself. It's you not, put on Oh Daddy by yourself? Okay, well, you got me. Okay, oh daddy, that's it though. Gold Dust Songbird has sixty five million plays. Oh daddy has twenty four million. That's because that's because people listen to an album and they get bored halfway through. And guess what? Songbird's on side one. Mm hmm. That's it. Okay. Hmm. So I'm gonna give rumors. Unfortunately, it has to be four out of five bags because it's so good, but. Why did Kristen McVie have to put fucking Songbird on there instead of Silver Springs? I'll tell you guys right now, if you want to fix the track listing, this is, I call this the Fleetwood Mac Matthew cut of rumors. Um, you just listen to Silver Springs instead of Songbird. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, I'll just listen to Songbird because it's a good song. Well, I, I disagree. Well, what do you know? All right, that's the end of the episode. See you next week for movie trivia. Have a good week. Stay sober. Don't die like Mr. Downer. And we'll see you then. If you enjoyed anything you heard today, make sure to stay tuned for weekly episodes available for streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and umfm.com.
And don't forget to follow our Instagram page at COP Podcast.